the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you, and thank you so much for joining us as we get underway on this Wednesday, the se- uh, Wednesday at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It is the fifth morning of the month of December in the year of our Lord, twenty eighteen. It is a national day of mourning, declared so by the president in honor of the late president George H. W. Bush, who is being laid to rest today. And uh, this is obviously a very, very uh, important time to remember the life of President Bush, as we have been doing for the last three days, uh, but also to say goodbye to a different type of person, to a different type of leader, the last of the World War II presidents, the last, uh, one of the very last of, um, of his kind who can say that they served in the Great War in the interest of liberty and in the defense of this great nation and innocent nations around the world and innocent people around the world, and then also served this country in its highest office. So this is a very, very important day to commemorate and to eulogize, to memorialize, but again also to celebrate the life of George H.W. Bush. Sorry about that. Hold on one second. We'll let let you hear this. All the living presidents and their wives and Prince Charles representing Queen Elizabeth. Former President George W. Bush will eulogize his father. He and former First Lady Laura Bush visited with the Trumps yesterday at Blair House. Tomorrow, there will be a flyover in Texas. The late president laid to rest next to his wife of 73 years at the Bush Memorial Library. I, um... I'll be honest with you, I, I can't wait to hear George W. Bush eulogize his father, but at the very same time, I'm not sure I'll be able to handle it. I'm not that kind of guy, I, you know, and I'm not saying this to be macho, and this isn't a testosterone run here. I'm not a crier very much. I don't do the, uh, you know, I don't cry at movies and uh, various things like that. I mean, I just express my emotions or I maybe I suppress my emotions unintentionally in a different kind of way. 
But I will tell you this, listening to George W. Bush speak about his father in the past while he was still alive, um, I can only imagine what it's going to be like as he says goodbye to to uh, George H.W. Bush for the first time. It, or for the last time, beg your pardon, as he says goodbye to him for the last time. It's going to be a really uh, emotional thing. So uh, certainly we keep that in mind today as we, you know, as we uh, uh, pay tribute to the to the, the life of the president and honor this uh, National Day of Mourning uh, in, a, in an appropriate way. And I, I haven't done this while I have talked to every guest that I've had on Monday and Tuesday on this of this week since the president's passing back on uh, Saturday. I've asked all of my guests about their reflections. I haven't asked you for yours, and I, and I really want to do that today. We're guest-free for the two hours today. We had to shuffle some things around due to some schedules of our guests. Uh, so we have uh, plenty of open phone lines for you. And one of the things that will be on the table will be what do you think and how, do you, how will you remember uh, the presidency or the life service of George H.W. Bush. I have not asked for reactions and reflections from you. I've offered my own. I've talked to guests, but I want to get you involved in that today. All right. Um, aside from that, we have a very busy news day today. We'll talk about uh, General Flynn, Michael Flynn, and uh, what is being said by the special counsel. Robert Mueller, he is recommending no jail time for Michael Flynn because of his substantial cooperation with the investigation. Uh, which could lead one to believe that, uh-oh, Flynn sang like a canary and threw Trump under the bush, bu- under the bus, <clears throat> and um, in return for that, he doesn't get any jail time. Others are suggesting not a chance. What they really are finding out that uh, General Flynn did not lie, which is something that Rudy Giuliani and many others close to the president have said. Uh, they absolutely exaggerated his statements to make them appear to be lies, and once they have found out that they can't get him on anything, that's why. They are not recommending jail time. But what we do know is that he spent 19 different sessions testifying and answering questions with Bob Mueller and his team of, as President Trump calls them, 13 angry Democrats. Uh, It is a team, obviously overloaded with Democrats and partisans, whose primary job is not to answer a question, such as, did the Russians meddle in the election? And if so, did uh, the Trump Trump campaign uh, collude with them? No. They're not answering a question like they're supposed to. They are prosecuting a case. They have decided that the Trump administration is guilty, or the Trump campaign was guilty, and now they have spent the better part of two years trying to prove their conclusion. It is the exact opposite way an investigation investigation is supposed to be done, but that's what they have done. So we'll get to that news here in a bit, and a lot of other news, too, with respect to politics. Uh, John Dingell, the longest-serving congressman, John Dingell, former Democratic representative, um, who served for 59 years in the United States Congress, uh, yesterday called for the abolishment, or, if you're using the correct English word rather than what they're writing in the newspapers, abolition, the abolition of not only the Electoral College, but of the Senate. They should disappear because they disproportionately influence, or because of the disproportionate influence of small states that paralyze the lawmaking and electoral processes. Dingell, the Democrat from Michigan for 59 years, wrote an op-ed yesterday for The Atlantic, saying essentially that the coastal elites who live in California and New York should make all of the decisions for all of the people all over the, the entire continental United States. 
I shouldn't even say just say continental. All 50 of the United States. No, legitimately, that's pretty much what he said. Quote, California has almost 40 million people, while the 20 smallest states have a combined population totaling less than that. Yet because of an 18th century political deal, those 20 states have 40 senators, while California, with its 40 million people, has just two. These sparsely populated, usually conservative states can block legislation supported by a majority of the American people. That's just plain crazy. That's why he wants to abolish the United States Senate and have it absorbed into the House of Representatives. As for the Electoral College... The radical leftist Dingle argued that the Electoral College has the same flaw because it gives disproportionate weight to small states. He called for its complete abolition and for combining both chambers of Congress into one, saying it will take a national movement starting at the grassroots level and will require massive organizing, strategic voting, and strong leadership over the course of a generation. But it doesn't does it does have a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Abolish the Senate. I'm having blue caps printed up with that slogan right now. They will be made in America, he said. So this is again another just glaring example of what the American left, represented by the Democrat Party, what they truly think about America. They despise her. They despise this beautiful nation. They despise the Constitution upon which it was founded. They despise the founding fathers who fought for this nation's liberty from tyranny and who put together a glorious document ensuring that this nation never becomes tyrannical again or is taken over by a tyrannical government. It gave the people the power. There's a great book by Eric Metaxas, another Salem host. Great book by Eric Metaxas called If You Can Keep It. They gave the American people the glory of this republic and the ability to meet any challenge that might be, that might arise in the future. The, the prescience of the founding fathers is just astounding. It is, it is, it is, impossible for mere mortals because i almost feel like they were superhuman and not mortal for for people today to understand how they could have been so prescient and to to be able to anticipate challenges to the system to the system of government when they when they worked for years and years and years on that glorious document they knew there would come a time Maybe they didn't realize it would be the 21st century, maybe the 20th century, maybe the 30th century, who knows. But when they put it together, they did build in protections for the people, if they can keep it, back to the Eric Taxes book, if they can keep this glorious constitutional representative republic, then it will be a gift to every generation thereafter, the gift of liberty, the gift of, of uh, the aversion to tyranny. No, no, that's kind of a double negative, sort of. But it's a gift of, 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 of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I know that's not necessarily the Constitution, but you, want, you do understand the point here. Democrats hate all of it. They do not believe in the founders. They do not believe in the protections they put in place. They think we, that they are smarter than the founders 
uh, of this great nation and the authors of the Constitution, they think they are smarter. What John Dingell, representing the Democrat Party, in my view, is doing with this statement that he wants to abolish, and he's not alone, both the Senate and the Electoral College. What, what Dingell is doing here is pretty much tantamount to what Barack Obama said when he took office. And actually, before he took office, he actually ran a campaign and won on the goal of fundamentally transforming the United States of America. I've said this on many occasions in the past on this program, and I think it's, it bears repeating now. Do you fundamentally do you want to fundamentally transform your wife? Do you want to fundamentally transform your children? Do you want to fundamentally transform and change things that you love? No. You love your wife, you love your children, you love your husband, you love your family for who they are. You don't want to change them. If you want to fundamentally change the country, if you want to fundamentally transform the United States of America, it means you don't like what you see. You don't like what it is. You want to change it because you don't like it. John Dingell is reiterating what Barack Obama said. Let's change the country that was founded upon the principles outlined in the Constitution and all of the subsequent amendments. Let's change it fundamentally. Let's transform it into something different. Let's transform it into a place where only people who who live on the coasts, who are slaves to groupthink and common ideology and what is best for them, let's let them make all the decisions. Never mind the fact that all of those other people in the middle who have different views and who need different things from their government than the coastal elites do. They don't get a say. Let's make the decisions without them. That's fundamentally transforming America Barack Obama style. You don't change things that you love. Did Barack Obama try to fundamentally change Michelle Obama after after he married her? No, he married her because he loved who she was. Do you fundamentally want to change your spouse? The bottom line is John Dingell is representative of the American left. John Dingell is representative of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party hates this country as it is currently comprised, as it's currently led, as it currently exists, as it is currently governed, as as it is currently uh, its, its social order. The American left and the Democrat Party despises this country, and they want it changed. My friends... Eric Metaxas is right. We have a wonderful gift if we can keep it. And the question is, is are we going to be able to stand up to these people who are trying to take it from us? All right. A lot to get into today. Political correctness, by the way, censorship of freedom of speech is one of the great ways to try to tear down a country that you are fundamentally trying to transform. And I've got about a half dozen stories of assaults on freedom of speech in the United States Due to political correctness, due to the hashtag PPO, the party of perpetual outrage that wants things changed because it'll make them feel better. 
even if it takes away other people's constitutionally protected freedoms. I want to share some of those stories with you coming up. 216-901-0945. You can share with me as well. 888 the number to join. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Eighty-eight. All right, nine twenty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer. Uh, a lot of ground to cover today. Again, it's a national day of mourning, and uh, we are paying our respects to President George H. W. Bush, uh, asking you for your thoughts, your reflections, your remembrances of uh, of the time that he led this country, and also his great service to this country, both in World War II. Uh, as uh, well, again, somebody corrected us the other day and said, "Not fighter pilot. He was a submarine, uh, uh, not submarine. A um, uh, tor- what was it? Tor- uh, Air- Airman uh, uh, Lockhart. Can you remind us what was it? Submarine? Pardon me. Sub- torpedo launcher. Torpedo launcher is what it was. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, at any rate, his service in the war." As well as, of course, a long-serving congressman, president of the Republic uh, of the Republican uh, Party, the RNC, or chairman of the RNC, rather, of course, vice president to Ronald Reagan, president of the United States, and he's been to me one of the most eloquent art, uh, ambassadors for this great country uh, in his retirement that we have ever had. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk more about the political correctness stories. Let me squeeze the phone call in here because uh, John actually does want to uh, spend a few seconds here talking a little, uh, talking about uh, President George H. W. Bush. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. First of all, happy birthday to you. Ah, um, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Happy 19th. Anyhow, so first of all, you know, Bob, we've known each other for a while. And one of my proudest... Oh, is this Campbell? I didn't, re- I, didn't, I didn't realize this was Campbell. I'm sorry, John. It, it, it's okay, brother. Go uh, ahead. You know, I remember him mostly, and I felt confident. When I was, when I was in the Persian Gulf War, with, you know, I knew he knew exactly what he was doing. And the thing about it is, I remember I wasn't there because I was too far. I was far up forward, but I remember the president coming to Saudi Arabia and visiting the troops with Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush was like a mom to all of us, and the president was our seat commander in chief. And to me, when I saw him out there and he appointed the right leadership, I knew we were going to win because of who he was, and he spoke with confidence. And I don't know how to say it, but I felt, even though I was in danger, I felt good enough that I knew that we would have the equipment to win that war. And that's the kind of man he is. And, and I just felt so sad when, when when we lost him. But I knew that he wanted to be with his wife, Barbara. Uh, completely agree uh, on that last part. And agree on the first part, too, although I did not serve. So I'm going to have to ask you, as a member of the Armed Forces, uh, while you kind of already articulated, you, you had the utmost confidence that the mission would be successful and that you would win, uh, and he kind of gave everybody that that mindset, and he did. I agree. I, I, I remember listening to it. There was never a doubt that what we were going to do was the right thing to do and that it would be successful, and quite obviously we routed uh, 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 Saddam's uh, elite Republican guard and, and liberated Kuwait in short order. But I have to ask you, John, since you uh, obviously served and were a part of it, one of the lasting criticisms of President H.W. Bush has been uh, that he did not finish the job, that he wanted to leave Saddam in power. He did not go into Baghdad and remove him, which, of course, his son would do about a decade and a half later. Uh, did you agree with that at the time, or did you feel like you guys were leaving the mission uh, uh, incomplete? Honestly, honestly, Bob, you know, 
you know, where I was at, I, I, I didn't know what was going on, but when he explained, he lived up to the agreement of just pushing him out of Kuwait. He did what he had to do, was free Kuwait. Right. And do what he had to do. So he lived up to that agreement. And, and George W. Bush made a really good point. He said, if he would have continued, we would have lost our allies and we would have been on our own at that time. And, and also, when, when they interviewed him, you know, he took every American death personally. I, re, I remember seeing that. He was very emotional because he didn't like the fact because he was in a war. He didn't like sending our men and women into war. So he wanted to get this thing done, get the mission accomplished push Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, and that's exactly what he did. But also a lot of us said we'll be back 10 years later, too. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. It's a great point about taking it personally, and I think that is something that um, was perhaps um, hereditary uh, because that's the one thing that I remember about George W. Bush, who made that incredibly difficult decision, obviously, after 9-11 to try to limit the dangers in the Middle East by way of going after Saddam. Uh, you could tell every death of an American serviceman in that Iraq war, war on him. It weighed heavily on him and his heart. You saw, you know, countless numbers of uh, of photographs of him visiting Walter Reed, visiting uh, people who lost their legs, uh, those who fought and, and were, were injured in terrible ways. He spent so much time with them, and those were the ones where the cameras were allowed and they got photos, but there were countless others where it was never uh, uh, acknowledged to the public. Uh, he invited uh, amputees and others to go uh, yeah. to the White House to see him. And in his retirement years after the presidency, oh, it's 931, i got to get out here, um, he yeah. did the same thing. So I think that is something that, again, going back to the eulogy, or excuse me, the memorializing of President George H.W. Bush, one of the things that he did pass on uh, to his family by way of his son and others is that compassion for uh, their fellow man and those who served under them and made terrible sacrifices because of decisions that they had to make. And I think I think that speaks volumes about the man. So uh, great show. God bless you, brother. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. I'm glad you brought that up. John, uh, thank you so much. All right, it's nine thirty one. Let's catch up. News time now. Let's get back to your phone calls after on AM fourteen twenty the All right, it's 936 now. The Bob France Authority continues on this National Day of Mourning. The President of the United States, George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, as he was commonly known, uh, will be laid to rest today. Funeral services are this morning, and we will go live to that funeral coverage at the very conclusion of this show. At 11 o'clock, we will go live to coverage of the Bush funeral, and then, uh, of course, he will be transported, as you heard in the news, to Texas uh, for... Uh, uh, for his uh, burial uh, with his wife Barbara, so we are looking. Uh, well, I shouldn't say we're looking forward to it, although we are. Again, I, I, it's it's uh, it's such an uh, odd thing, you know, because <clears throat> funerals and deaths and passing and so on and so forth. We, sadness is, of course, the kind of feeling of the of the moment and of the day. But as George W. Bush has constantly said over this whole you know last four or five days, we don't want this to be sadness over the death of uh, his father. Uh, it, they want it to be a celebration of the life of his father, and that's why I say we're looking forward to that coverage of the celebration of the life of George H.W. Bush as they say goodbye to him uh, for the final time. All right, I talked in the last segment about, or actually last half hour, about a host of stories involving suppression of speech, if not outright censorship of free speech. 
And it's all in the name of political correctness. And I feel like several of these, truthfully, need to be addressed. And that's what I want to do. And I want to start with this movement by PETA. Now, this one is much less suppression. This is just kind of a wish list. This isn't like they have any power, because they do not. But there is a movement by PETA, that is, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And, by the way, I am for the ethical treatment of animals. I am not for flipping the food chain upside down on itself. I do believe that, yes, as human beings, we are the dominant species on the planet, but we are animals just like they are and part of the food chain. Animals at virtually every level of the food chain, at least carnivores, uh, which we are, uh, eat one another for survival. So, uh, you know, do I want them to be treated inhumanely? No. Do I want them to be tortured? Do I want them to be harmed? No. So I am for the ethical treatment of animals. PETA, of course, is just ludicrous. They're just they're just nuts. How nuts are they? You ask. Well, let's let's put it to you this way. PETA has declared the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals has declared that using language, including several law, I mean idioms that have been used since the founding of this country and perhaps beyond that, before that. Idioms using animals, phrases that have commonly become uh, come to be known as uh, is as idioms that uh, you know statements uh, that involve animal uh, animal you know words using animals that are used to convey messages of something else. For example, if you are very efficient in getting something done, if you are able to accomplish multiple things with one particular action, you have what? You have killed two birds with one stone. It's efficiency, right? That's that's what an idiom is. Um, if you are just constantly repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again, it may be said that you are guilty of beating a dead horse. Why are you beating that dead horse? It's dead already. It doesn't need to be beaten anymore. If you are making a lot of money, and bringing it home and using that to take care of your family, it's commonly stated, right? That you're bringing home the bake bacon. Well, these are the things that PETA wants to stop. The nut jobs at PETA do not want you referencing any of those things because they reference animals, and in some cases, they demean animals. And that's kind of the problem here. This is where they lose uh, all credibility. They Well, first of all, let me give you their suggestions. Let me give you their suggestions, and then we'll talk about why they, they think this is so important. For example, the phrase that I just gave to you as uh, you know uh, one of efficiency, killing two birds with one stone, they want to change to feed two birds with one scone. Yes, it is every bit as stupid as it sounds. Yes, they're serious. This is what they want you to do. Instead of when you are experimenting on something, saying somebody's going to have to be the guinea pig for this, no, 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 no. Be the test tube, not be the guinea pig. Be the test tube for this. Beating a dead horse, not any longer. No, now it's, according to PETA, feed a fed horse. Wait, what? Yes, feed a fed horse. If you're making money and bringing home the bacon, no, 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 no. Bring home the bagels. They literally are going to try to change the way we speak all because they feel that it demeans animals. It, you won't, You know what they really mean to say by that, right? They want to say that it dehumanizes animals. 
but they have to stop themselves short there because they know that when they are going to get hit back with the reality that they're not human. And we are above them. Animals have been put on this earth for our use and for our food and for our, I don't want to say disposal, but all animals, including humans, use animals beneath them for sustenance and other, other necessities. But they, if they truly want to give them human-like qualities, and you know they want to say this dehumanizes them, so they can't, so they say demeans them. Take the bull by the horns, right? You know what that means. That's a very common phrase, meaning to attack a situation without fear. Take the bull by the horns. No, because that brings up, you know, images of bullfighting, which is cruel and unusual punishment to the bull. So they want you to, instead of take the bull by the horns, take the flower by the thorns. <laughs> they think that they can make something rhyme with the original idiom that it's just as effective and that it's okay. Now, these are just some of the ideas. I'll, I'll come back to something with that in a moment. But I want to, this is the part, though, that really needs to be pointed out about how far gone these people are and how nuts they are on the left. If you don't switch over to their suggested guideline of idioms, instead of saying, beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse, bring home the bacon, bring home the bagels, kill two birds with one stone, feed two birds with one stone, you are guilty of speciesism. Let me say that again. Speciesism, which according to PETA is just as bad as racism or homophobia. PETA actually sent out a tweet yesterday, quote, just as it became unacceptable to use racist, homophobic, or ableist language, wow, phrases that trivialize cruelty to animals will vanish as more people begin to appreciate animals for who they are. That's right, they're again assigning human qualities to animals. Not what they are, but who they are. And start bringing home the bagels instead of the bacon. They are comparing using language that refers to animals as what they are, particularly as it pertains to food, to racism, to human beings mistreating other human beings based on their skin color or their ethnicity. I mean, that's how, that's how absurd this is. There are vegans and vegetarians online responding to this saying, um, yeah, this is just going a little bit too far. You're going to have to find another way to do this. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, wait a minute. You're not allowed to say it. I'm vegetarian, writes James. The phrase, feed two birds with one scone, makes me want to force a mole through a shredder. <laughs> Been a veggie for 12 years. If anyone ever uses the phrase, take the flower by the thorns. <laughs> these, these responses are hilarious, what people are willing to do. Uh, Siri, show me why people think us vegans are humorless blanks. Uh, and this is referencing the article. Uh, why would anyone ever grab a flower by its thorns? Uh, what a load of fallen leaves. <laughs> There are so many of the responses here that are just terrific. Here's what I wanted to do. Here was my response to it, though. When I keep hearing the references to bring home the bacon, and they want to change that to bring home the bagels, I was reminded of something. 
Now, you've got to be probably over 40, I would say, to remember this. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Chaplain Dr. Uh, Airman. He's got a lot of titles. Lockhart on this one. Samuel, because you're old enough to remember. Do you remember Anjali? Do you know what Anjali is? Do you remember this, Samuel? No, I don't. In the 1980s, I want to say in the early 1980s, I was a kid. There was a commercial for a perfume called Anjali. And when I play it, it will come storming back to you. Now, if you want to, first of all, listen to it for the reference to bacon, bringing home the bacon, which is the reason I thought of it. Then listen to all of the other trigger points in it that are going to drive the American left crazy in this 30-second commercial. This was actually, I said early 80s, it was actually from 1980 exactly. 1980, this is a television commercial, but the song will do you well, for Anjali Perfume. See if you remember this one. Because I'm a woman, I can bring home a bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never let you forget you're a man. Give her Anjali, the eight-hour perfume for the 24-hour woman. I can work till five o'clock, come home and read your tickety-tock. Tonight I'm going to cook for the kids. And if it's loving you, one, I can kiss you and give you the shiver and fit. Uh, Did it come back to you, Samuel? Do you remember it now that you heard the jingle? I remember the song. I thought it was a country and western song. No. Did Dolly Parton do it or something? Uh, I don't know if she did or not, but all I knew it from was the commercial because it was combined, the, the, the I'm a woman part was combined with the I can, this is, this is what I love about it. The trigger warnings for all of the, uh, the liberals. First of all, they're referencing bringing home the bacon. Second of all, the woman can work all day bringing home that bacon. And then she's got to come home and is expected to cook it because she's going to fry it up in a pan, which is just so sexist. Oh my goodness. How dare you suggest that women have to actually work and come home and do then the, uh, the chores like cooking. And then after that, She's got to slip into something a little more comfortable and sexy to please her man as she never, ever lets him forget he's a man. And in the video, in the commercial, she goes from like the work outfit to uh, kind of a slinky dress so that she can make sure to provide the man with all the loving that he needs uh, at the end of the day. I mean, this is just filled with trigger warnings for liberals. And I loved it. And that's why I put it on my Facebook, and that's why I'm going to put it on my Twitter. And I want every, every, every liberal to, uh, to watch it and cringe at it. Yes, women are bringing home bacon, then they got to do the cooking, and then they got to get ready for some loving. And she says it twice, by the way. Never let you forget you're a man. And then after uh, all of the chores are done, what was it she was going to do to give him the shivs? Because I'm a woman, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, Two triggers. and never let you forget you're That's a man. three. Give her Anjali, the eight-hour perfume for the 24-hour woman. I can work till five o'clock, come home and read your tickety-tock. Tonight I'm going to cook for the kids. And if it's loving you, one, I can kiss you and give you the shit. There it is. Anjali, <laughs> the eight-hour perfume for your 24-hour woman. <laughs> at least the guy at the end said, I'll cook for the kids tonight. And she says, and if it's loving you, want, I can give you the shit. It's not like she said shiver in fits or something like that. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, no, we're not going to be changing that song to Bring Home the Bagels. It's forever going to be bacon. And you know what? Yes, there is still, uh, there are still customs and standards in our, in our, um, uh, in our culture that are acceptable, that are not explo- exploitative of women. They're not sexist. Uh, as a matter of fact, I do, uh, um, I don't know, a fair amount of the cooking in my house, but, but the vast majority of the time it is still the wife. It is still the mom. And they're just designed gender associated culture roles that have been a part of the nuclear family in this society that have worked for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. You know, we often hear the left complaining about the patriarchy. It's time to smash the patriarchy by by not only you know the women's march, but by electing a woman president and so on and so forth. We have to smash the patriarchy. I've never quite understood why it was that they want to smash something that has worked in this country for the last two and a half centuries. In other words, we have built in this country the greatest model of a society that any that the world has ever known that civilization has never known there's a reason why all of the migrants in the caravan are passing through mexico and saying no we want the gold standard we want to come to the united states there's a reason we're doing it right why are they trying to smash things that have been done right and by the way by patriarchy nobody's suggesting that men can lord themselves over women or anything else like that but the fact is we designed and have lived and have evolved in cultural roles for the you know existence of humanity and specifically in the existence of this country. And it's okay to accept those. It is okay to accept some of them as absolutely normal. There are things that men do that women are not as good at. There are things that women can do that men are not as good at. And to accept and understand this is not sexist. It is not some sort of a... Uh, you know, some sort of an assault or an attack on individual human rights or, or any, or women's rights or anything of that nature. It's okay. And it is okay for her to go to work. And it is okay for her to bring home some money to buy that bacon. And if she wants to fry that up, that's fine. And you know what? If she wants to give me a little bit of loving at the end of the day, that's okay too. the Bob France Authority, right back after this. You don't know me, but I'm Saluting the life and service of George H.W. Bush. Thank you so much for that, Samuel. Airman Samuel Lockhart uh, running, our show, running our show for us today. The uh, president will be laid to rest a little later today. The funeral service is this morning, and we will have live coverage of it beginning when the show ends at 11 o'clock this morning. So make sure you are here for that. All right. Uh, really good comments on Twitter and on Facebook coming in from the Anjali <laughs> reminder, the uh, classic. Uh, and it was indeed every bit that. It was classic. And, yes, Rich Fox says they'll call this sexist, too. Spout some crap about patriarchy. You'd better believe they will. And that's why I tweeted it, and that's why I Facebooked it, and I'll continue to do so just to trigger these people a little bit more. Uh, let's go to uh, Lenny, who's calling from Highland Heights. Hey, Lenny, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Bob. This 
sounds like a whole cock and bull story to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a rooster and cow story indeed. No question about it. <laughs> there's so many of them. That's why I just kind of slipped that one in there about there's plenty of ways to skin a cat. I mean, you know, they, they want us to just change our entire culture, change our language, and think that if people don't use those words anymore, they're not going to want a steak. Good luck. Oh, yeah. Anything All else, right. Lenny? Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. It's a good one-liner to stick in there. Uh, yes, it is every bit of cock and bull story to me, too. That's good. Uh, Navy man Norm in Strongsville. You're up, Navy man. How are you, sir? I'm fine, but you just played Anchors Away, my favorite song, of course. But the original, <clears throat> the original lyrics were changed several years ago to be more politically correct. The lyrics to Anchors Away? Yes, the original oh lyrics started out, stand Navy down the field, sail set to the sky, we'll never change our course, so Army, you steer shy. Well, some bureaucrats in the military decided that that might be offensive to the Army, so the <laughs> we'll never change our course, so Army, you steer shy, which was followed by and Navy will down your gray because Army has the gray uniform, you know, the gray right. uh, uniforms at West Point. So we'll never change our course. Army is still shy, and Navy will, you know, will down your Army gray. Oh, that could be offensive to the Army. So they changed that, Bob. I'm I never <laughs> knew that. I, I had never heard that before. So the so the original the original lyrics stand Navy down the field. What was it? Set sail set to the sky. Sail. Sails set to the sky, we'll never change our course, so Army, you steer shy. Okay. And then it's followed by, uh, and Navy will down your Army gray. Okay? So I'm trying to remember, uh, in fact, I'll send, you the, I'll send you the link to the original. I'm but, just, uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it, I, I understand. How long ago did you say they did this? Uh, 1997, the lyrics were revised to somewhat bit a less football centric that was their they were revised in 1997 and the the quote was to be a little bit less football centric what because they said you know army you steer shy no or, or army will done your gray come on well i mean the football part of it i guess is referenced in the first line about stand navy down the field i mean obviously right. the navy doesn't serve on the field the army serves on the fields the navy serves on the sea so i mean clearly that's a football reference so they took the football reference out of it well, exactly. yeah, I mean, and that's kind of good. That's it. So 1997, I knew we were kind of getting into a politically correct realm uh, back in the 90s. I mean, nowhere near the way it is today, of course. But uh, but I did not know that it reached into the military and changed the fight song, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, this PETA thing, I was watching Fox last night, and they were going over it with the executive director of PETA. And oh, Lordy. Tucker. Tucker Carlson was having a field day with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I t I t thank you, Norm. I appreciate the heads up on that too. If you hey, get a chance to forget. send me send me the link to that too, I'd like to see it. Don't forget what? Bob, don't forget to grab the flower by the thorns. <laughs> thank you, Norm. News now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.